At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, Nathan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's going to be an interesting New Year because whether people like it or not, it's going to be the year of the electric vehicle. They're coming. Whether you like it or not, they're coming. So rather than yell at the moon and howl at the wind, neither of which are going to change, get used to the idea. But more importantly, we're going to talk about what's coming out there and the differences between the two. But before we get to any of that, for those of you who are not able to watch this, Roman is wearing a baseball hat, which just doesn't work. And I'm wondering why. Well, I'm not a fan of Lucid, but it was the only hat I could grab uh, that was kind of thematic for the show because it's like negative four out there. And uh, I took a shower this morning and then took the dog for a walk. And this is what happened. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. So for those of you, uh, allow me to describe it. The way the Hindenburg was described. Nathan <laughs> came in the office and thought oh, I the got humanity. a haircut. <laughs> yeah, well, Roman's known for his hair, even the fake, <laughs> fake parts. No, you, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Roman, I recommend this. Now, for those of you who are not able to watch, go bald. It's so much easier. You just... You have to wear more hats. But you still have to shave your head, right? I do, I yeah. do. But it, So it's not like it's completely carefree. But there's something kind of cathartic about shaving your head. It's actually a wonderful experience. I highly recommend it. Is it more cathartic than shaving your balls? Uh, no, well, no, actually, it's 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 better because I'm not worried about nicking and causing some serious damage. My head, no problem. The other areas, problem. So, sorry, guys. Early New Year's treat for you. Roman decided to go off the rails and talk about the genitalia. So well, we did have Manscaped for a while. As a, <laughs> I know, and I was one sponsor. of the lead guys who was <laughs> sponsoring was, it. You did some yeah. good commercials. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, they were funny. Yeah, I'm hoping for better ones for so, 2023. So it's not like it's new territory for TFL. <laughs> I know. We have no shame. But you already know that or else you wouldn't be tuning in. All so, right. So, so in this podcast, Right and video, we're going to be talking about uh, electric cars, and we're going to compare uh, electric cars to gasoline cars. We're going to take an interesting tack, Nathan. We're not going to talk about the politics of it because that's you know, too easy. We do cars and trucks, not politics. We're not going to talk about um, you know the uh, environmental impact of it because once again that gets political, right? Mm -hmm. But yes, we are is. going to talk about like the advantages and disadvantages of each. So the nuts and bolts of owning each one. And I'll tell you why. So you know I lived in Prague for a while uh, in the '90s when it went from communist to capitalist, and I had a relocation company. Mm -hmm. Right, we would help people find homes in. When they went there, like if you worked for, let's say, Pepsi, which was opening up, or Coke, their uh, offices, right? Mm -hmm. We would help them find temporary housing. When I mean temporary, I mean like, you know, they'd be on a three-year assignment, so a three-year rental, right? Okay. And what I learned quickly was that some people really made themselves miserable in Prague because uh, under the communists, like, there was not a lot of the creature comforts that we have. Things were closed a lot. You could not get things like Diet Coke. In fact, the first year that my wife and I moved there, we would drive to Germany on the weekend to get Diet Coke. <laughs> and if you come from America where you can get anything at any time, all of a sudden, like, you have a hankering for, I don't know, you know, Diet Coke. 
and you can't get it, it makes you pretty miserable. It, it can. It can. And so, so what I learned was that the people who were the least miserable and or the happiest in this kind of expat relocation were people that would not look at it as better or worse. In other words, they wouldn't compare their you know, home in America to their new home in Prague. They would look at them as different, right? It's not better. It's not worse. It's, it's different. It's different. Right? I get it. Yeah. And, and I found that if, if I had that conversation with them, because I would drive around, and I would, you know, especially with housing, right? Because Prague was overcrowded, and so there was a little housing that was there under the communists. And when it went to being capitalist, rents just went through the moon. So, like, remember, this is like early 90s. Like, you could have a budget of $5,000 a month, which back in America would have been a boatload of money. Yeah. In Prague, it was nothing, right? You could, you could maybe get a small house for that, and that house would be a very old house that was probably not to the modern standards, right? So they had things like, uh, this is funny, uh, they, they, they had dryers, and you Europeans still have them, that do both uh, washing and drying. So, so, so it dries with humidity. I don't understand that, but that's how it would work. Oh, okay. And they were tiny. They were like, like you know, like our coffee maker size. <laughs> so, so, so people were used to these big American appliances, right? Especially, especially the refrigerators, right? Like a big refrigerator at that time in a house in Europe would have been like your dorm refrigerator. <laughs> no, I, I, and I've, I've lived in uh, in <laughs> Germany before, actually, uh, former East Germany, and it was shortly after the wall and, came and, down. And, and actually, that's a great example, right? Because in Europe. Unlike here, there were no Costco's, so you would go shopping on a daily basis, right? You would go shopping for what you ate that day. So if you had dinner or lunch, you'd go and buy it, make it, eat it, and then do it again the next day. Yeah, the here, local produce usually, too. Yeah, yeah. Here, you'd like shop. But imagine if you're like coming from America and you're used to going to Costco or Sam's Club or even your local Safeway, right, and shopping for the week, and then you get back and you've got this refrigerator that's good for like a 12-pack of Bud Light, yeah, I got you. So, but but you, let's get on to the point that what you're making because we're now you, talking am I about. Boring you? <laughs> well, no, but you're, the audience wants to hear about cars, <laughs> and you're talking about housing in in Prague. So anyway, so, so yeah, so the point is, I would I would drive around with them, and I'd be like, hey, put yeah. your mis- put your it's not misconceptions, put your conceptions aside, and just look at it as an adventure. You know, mm-hmm. it's not better or worse; it's just different. So the expectations that they were kind of you know pushing in their heads, they suddenly. Removed because you said reassuringly, don't worry about it. What you need to do is look at how different it is and how cool that can be. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, okay. You, you, you got it. You, you, we could be done with this podcast. You you embraced the the the, the gist of this entire podcast. And so <clears throat> I think what we need to do first and foremost is, you know, we we have an EV channel, right? TFL EV. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about kind of our experience. So you know, we've owned. Gosh, we've bought, what do you think now, maybe 10 electric cars over the last five years? Just TFL as a company alone, yeah, it's about 10. Yeah, so so we started buying the California compliance cars, like the Spark EV we own, Mm -hmm. uh, the Smart EV, right? The the first wave of kind of electric cars. And then, of course, we got early on the pure EV wave by buying a Tesla Model 3. Then we had a Tesla Y. Y. Well, Model X, and then we the, went to yeah, Y. Yeah, the X and the Y, yeah. Yeah, and, and we, we'd experience these. We'd live with them for a year. We'd figure out what's good, what's bad. Uh, and, of course, from the manufacturers, we've driven every EV out there at this point. Pretty much, yes. And a few of those e- Even actually, Lucid for, like, five minutes. Yeah, and in a parking lot. Um, and also, uh, both Andre and I own EVs as our, you know, that, that our family members drive. So we do have some personal experience, and then on top of that, we have 
you know, practical experience here at TFL as well. So let's start with the basics. I think that's a great place to start. Uh, so let's start with basically the three kinds of electrified cars, right? Sure. Because obviously there are gasoline cars where you just, you know, stick the nozzle and pour gas. That's not electrified. Right. Then there are hybrid cars. You want to explain what yeah. like a Prius is? There's, well, there's two different types of uh, hybrids, really, that are available let's, let's in the United States. Talk about the basic one. Okay, the basic hybrid essentially is a gas-powered vehicle that also has an electric motor or two, or even three in some cases, um, that will actually help power the vehicle and assist in making it much more fuel efficient. So there's less stress that's going to the drivetrain in order to make the vehicle as efficient as possible. So that little four-cylinder engine usually is a four-cylinder that's padding away basically doesn't have to work as hard. As such, you get better fuel mileage. And in some cases, 50, even 60 miles per gallon. And that's just a regular hybrid. You don't have to do anything to it. You don't have to hit any buttons. You don't have to plug it in. You start it up and drive it every day like a regular car. Exactly right. And of course, the company that pioneered that was Toyota, right? And well, Honda. Toyota and Honda, Honda. really, for the, for the United States market, yes. So the first Prius and the first Insight, right? The, they were the first hybrid cars. And basically, uh, they made it transparent and they made it invisible that these cars had batteries. But they had tiny batteries, right? Oh, they were very small. Like, yeah. you know, at the most, like a 1.2 kilowatt hour battery was like a big one. And then they were, you know, also nickel metal hydride as opposed to lithium high, uh, ion. So they, they had different batteries back then. Basically the same battery that, that's a 12 volt, the yeah. same chemistry. Well, no, actually a little bit different, but the point is is that the whole thing that they put together was something that became a remarkably reliable package. If you look at the reliability statistics of a Toyota Prius, they are really, really rock solid, which is good news for people who are worried about having two powertrains run a vehicle. And it's funny, like the, the arguments against it were the same arguments that we're hearing today against pure electric cars. I remember when the Prius first came out and the Insight, right? Uh -huh. uh, and uh, people were like, oh, those things, the batteries are going to go and then you're not going to be able to use You'll be them, dead in the middle right? of the street. And I remember, um, this is, gosh, maybe eight years ago, I was driving... Uh, in a cab in Vancouver, mm -hmm. and it was a Prius. And I was curious, because the Prius has been around since the 90s, right? It's been around a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was talking to the cab driver, I go, how far do these things go before you actually have to replace the batteries, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, uh, it'll easily do 250,000 miles. And, you know, and cabs go through that very quickly. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, and then to replace those batteries, because we also bought an Insight, the first generation Insight. Oh. You know, the one that looked like a cockroach, right? That, oh. had the, that had the. It looked like a suppository. It had the uh, back wheel wells co covered, right? Yeah, yeah. So we bought one of those. That was an unfortunate that buy. That didn't go well. No, and the battery uh, crapped out because it had like 250,000 miles, and then we had to replace it. And that battery replacement, it was $1,500. Yes. And, 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 and that's actually cheap. Yeah. And they, they work without the battery, but they're so slow and, and gutless that they're almost undrivable. Right. Now, there's really two different levels of uh, hybrid vehicle. Now, there's the regular hybrid, like we mentioned, like a Prius or something like that, that essentially is working in tandem and using gas power and electric power to power the wheels. There are also full hybrids where you basically are using the gas engine as a generator to generate power to the batteries, and the batteries are actually powering an electric motor, and there's no actual physical connection to the wheels from the gas engine, just from the electric motor. And that's basically, it's kind of like how certain types of trains run, actually. And that can be really efficient, but there are problems with that as well, of course, well, because bigger batteries are needed and whatnot. So a serial hybrid mm. is what we're talking about. Yep. Uh, and 
Like, this is kind of weird, but like the original Volt was sort of kind of like that. I don't want to go into the uh, technical specifications because basically what Nathan is saying, and he's right, is you could have a like an engine that powers the wheels, or you could have an engine. And then we're now let's 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 also define these two terms because people use them interchangeably, but they're not. Mm. In general, an engine is powered by gasoline or, or diesel, benzene, or something, and a motor is electric. Yep, that's so, that's how we usually and we sometimes we flub it, but usually when we say motor, that's referring to an electric motor. We say engine, it's, and, and people get those confused. Yeah, but, that happens sometimes. But in the, in, in, for this podcast slash video, engine is powered by. You know, dead dinosaurs. I know they're not dead dinosaurs, but I'm just being funny. Uh, and a motor is powered by electricity. Anyway, so so you would have a gasoline engine uh, that would charge up a battery uh, that would then power a motor, which would then drive the vehicle. Right. And remember that all of the vehicles that we're referring to have regenerative braking. Now, it, it's a funny term for some of you guys out there who may not know EVs, which is why we're doing this pro uh, podcast, because... All hybrids, well, pretty much all hybrids and EVs use uh, regenerative braking, but it has really nothing to do with brakes per se. It has to do with the way the power gets put back into the battery, and it's usually dealing with that drive motor we were talking about as you're slowing down, as you're hitting the brakes and all that. It pushes that power that would otherwise be lost just with heat back into your battery. But, That's a very simple explanation. A motor is a relatively simple generator, right? You can power into it and it spins. Let's, let's just, for the sake of argument, spins this way, right? Uh -huh. uh, or if you spin it the other way, it generates power uh -huh. and goes back in the battery. So depending right. on which way it spins, it either, you know, it's a drive unit or it's a power unit. Power unit, but it can do both at the same time. Right. And, and some companies actually use separate ones to do separate things where, you know, some of them work as starters. And actually quite a few of them do. Now, quickly onto the starters. Back to hybrids. Hybrids usually cut the engine when you're at a stop, and that electric motor will double often as your starter as well. So it'll fire up that engine and get you going, and it's almost imperceptible nowadays in terms of the stop-start systems. They work really, really well in those vehicles, in hybrids. Not so much in my mind in gas cars, but it's a different story. So there you go. So there's a couple different types of hybrids. So and let, then let me talk about the uh, Volt, which is actually fascinating because GM did something that most people don't know. Yes, go ahead. Which is they had this really trick system where uh, the Volt was a serial hybrid. So it, the, the, the engine would power the battery, which would power the motor, which would move the car. But under certain technical, very technical moments in, in the car's uh, drive ability, it could also switch to then powering the front wheels. There were front wheel drive, so it could do both. Right. And it was really tricky and very engineeringly uh, hard to accomplish, but GM is very good at engineering. Very that simple. was a Bob Lutz uh, car, by the yeah. way, uh, the original one. And uh, my brothers have the second-generation model, uh, and they have 160,000 miles on it, and they adore it. Yeah. Adore it. Uh, it, but not all is perfect. Uh, you, there's losses when you have something like a hybrid, and we're actually gonna, we're now getting to plug-in hybrids, which we should go into now. Actually, before we get to plug-in hybrids, let's let's stop for a second and mm -hmm. talk about uh, electric vehicles with a Rex, which is a range extender, which is a car that Andre we bought and then Andre bought for his wife. So that's the BMW i3, which is exactly what we're talking about as a generator, essentially. Yeah. So w with the i3, you had basically two options. You could buy a pure electric i3, which mm. had just a motor and a battery. Like so you, 80 miles range or something. It 90. changed over the it course. It went of up the, a little bit, yeah. It went up, actually went up a lot. So the initial one had 
I want to say like 60 miles of range, mm -hmm. or maybe a little bit more. And then the la last generation, like the 2019s, that's the one you want in the i3. Mm -hmm. That had up to 150 miles of range. So Which they, is actually pretty damn they good. They kept increasing the battery size, yeah. But in the i3, what they did was very interesting and kind of weird. And I'll tell you what was interesting and what was weird. So the interesting part was uh, they took a motorcycle engine. It's like a scooter engine, wasn't it? It's tiny. It was, it was, so BMW also, BMW Motorrad, they build motorcycles. So you'd right. think they'd stick like a BMW engine. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. But they didn't. They went to Kimco, which is a Korean company, and they bought a 600cc uh, uh, Kimco and put it into the i3. So you could buy it as a pure electric car. Or if you wanted to, you had the range extender. So it actually had two um, ways to fill it up, right? One side... Actually, they were both on the same side. So I think in the back you had the you put the plug in right to charge up the battery, and yeah. in the front you poured in gas. Yeah, the the right uh, the passenger side exactly. front had a flap right there, but it only held about two gallons of gas. It actually held two point six. We know this. Oh, okay, two point six. But in America, because of the EPA, you could only get, because they wanted BMW wanted the tax credits. You can only use about two point one gallons of it. It was crazy. Uh, and the way that would work, of course, is that it would be an electric car until. The battery was almost depleted, uh, and then the little Kimco, I think it was a 600cc yeah. um, engine, not motor, would turn on, and then that would charge up the battery, and then that would power the front wheels. And and I had the horrific experience of running out of electricity. Yeah, I've done that too. In that car, going up a Loveland Pass, <laughs> where that little Kimco could only power it up to about oh, 16 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll do a turtle mode, basically go into a crawl mode, in order to make sure that the power that's going to the battery is enough to power the vehicle and keep it going. Now, the good news is if you maintain that power and you keep it running right, you won't have to worry about that. But both Roman and I, I'm pretty sure Andre's managed to do it too. When you run it out of electricity, and you're not fully out of electricity either. I think it keeps no, you can 10%. Never, yeah, so usually there's a buffer in the battery, right, because you mm -hmm. don't want to kill it and you don't want to go all the way and use the, the full thing. So you're usually like within either 5 or 10% of either fully empty or fully full. Right, right. So and you don't have. So let's say it's a ten kilowatt hour battery, right? You only really have access to like usually like nine or nine and a half kilowatts. It, that's that's generous. In yes. some cases, it's a lot less yes. in terms of percentage. Yes, that's a whole different thing. But so the Rex is essentially the same thing we were talking about, where the gas engine is working as a generator to power up a battery, which will power up motors to allow you to go. And in this case. Even if you slam your foot on the accelerator, no matter what, that little 600cc engine is not going to help you move any better. It doesn't connect to any wheel. It just works as a generator. Yeah, and the other cool thing about that vehicle was that uh, it was rear-wheel drive. Or it oh, is rear-wheel drive, that which is car, cool. That car is one of the most underrated electric vehicles of its time. You know that, I mean, it, it has a bespoke cockpit that was, you know, they spent billions designing this bizarre... Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a it's a carbon uh, fiber composite. Composite, right? Right, like cage basically, right? So the body is this carbon, and so is the i8, uh, and then everything else is you know it's built into it. It's really cool. Yeah, and even though it has basically motorcycle tires, so it looks a little weird, it handled great and it accelerated really really well. That vehicle you could drive with one pedal if you wanted to. It was one of the first ones I really got a chance to to live with for a few days and drive with one pedal. And it is a hoot. The only reason I didn't buy it for my kid, the only reason, was because it was just about $1,000 more than I could afford for getting the extended range one. And I just figured, mm, yeah. 
I, I, I stick to my budgets all the time, and that was the only reason I didn't get it because it was on my list. And, and by the way, Nathan, uh, I want to thank all of our patrons uh, who made yes. this podcast possible. I always want to be sure to do a shout out to those guys. So thank you. Uh, we had an interesting thing happen with uh, our host, uh, and this has been really frustrating. And I have to apologize to you guys. Uh, so uh, we use a company called Lisbon, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know. Nathan and I and the entire team, This is we make our living doing this, right? This so, is exactly so what we for do. For a lot of people, podcasting is a passion or it's, uh, you know, something that they do. Uh, and that's changing. You know, there's a lot more podcasts than are now becoming uh, like, you know, like traditional media where you make money and you can actually pay your mortgage and feed your family. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the way we used to do it was we didn't have commercials in this podcast. And then everybody started putting commercials in their podcasts. And, you know, once again, if we want to, have our editors go and edit this, and you know it, it, we have to pay them, right? So we thought, you know what, we need a platform that will help monetize um, this podcast and insert commercials, right? Uh, and so Lisbon came along, and they said, uh, yeah, you know, you can turn that on, and we said, great, now we're going to get paid, uh, and we weren't making a lot when we turned it on. I think it was it was it was hundreds of dollars a month, not thousands, you know. Uh, Except uh, that they had a beta program, and what it would do is every time there was a commercial uh, inserted, it would insert it like right there in the middle of the sentence. So there was no like some of the other platforms, they'll do like a do 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 do, right? And there's a commercial, and right? Do 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 do, and we're back. It might even wait for a pause where it doesn't hear sound, and then it might throw it in there. Yeah, too. No, none of that, which was annoying enough. Yep. But what was even more annoying was that when you then came back, it would basically segment the podcast and then they didn't know where the podcast ended so it would then go back in time and replay like a part that we had already said so you'd insert a commercial and then let's say we were 15 minutes into the podcast it would go back 10 minutes and start all over again it was time travel for the it yeah i, it, I don't want to go it's like there. butchered the, it butchered the podcast and all the hard work because we do you know a lot of hard work to prepare for these things right right J- just became completely useless because the platform so uh we we had a long you know email string with lisbon and said guys come on you got to get this right and their solution was this is their solution you can either monetize it and have a podcast that is listenable or you can uh you can not monetize it and have a podcast that you can actually listen to and it won't you know like butcher it or you can monetize it in which case you're in beta good luck yeah yeah that that wasn't the the, the, the solution i was hoping for is hey sorry guys We'll fix this and we'll make it right. Yeah. But their solution was you, you can either have no money, no monetization, or monetize, but you know, we, we can't control what happens. Once again at TFL, we are always transparent with our problems. So, so you know, so I'm looking for a new podcast host. If you guys can recommend uh, somebody that actually can monetize this podcast so that, you know, we can pay Nathan and we can pay the team and we can edit this. I uh, need a haircut every month. Well, apparently I do too. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> I just yeah, lifted up my hat. <laughs> so, so let us know guys in the comments or send us an email or ask tflcar.com. Uh, you know, just go ahead and send us Or in the comments. I read the comments. Yes. Thank you for your suggestions for credit cards. I had a little uh, rant last week about Discover. A little rant? Okay, a long rant. But thank you. Uh, it seems like uh, good suggestions. I will follow up on them, so I'm very grateful for that. I still say Vinny. You go call Vinny. No, He'll take Vinny. care. You call Vinny. Take care of you, man. So are there any, Nathan, are there any other um, uh, range extenders? Any other cars with a range extender uh, besides the i3? I think there are, and I can't think of it. 
off the top of my head, sold in the U.S. market. I cannot think of any, and the i3 is no longer being sold in the U.S. market. You, you know what was so damning but, about that? Mm. BMW basic in Europe, right? You could have the little Kimco engine come on at ten percent or fifty percent, so yeah. you could actually road trip it. Yes, right. But in America, because they wanted to get the tax credits, the EPA said it can't come out until there's only two percent battery left, and so they basically they 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 they, they limited it by software. That's the carbon tax, you know, at right, work right. For that, you. That's seventy five hundred dollars, which is a real shame. Although I do hear that. It's a rumor, mind you, that it's some people, back. well, not just that, but also that people are flashing or doing certain things with their i3s you can to you make can jailbreak them, it. Yeah, yeah. And Any, in order to make them work better. Anyway, so in Europe, you could say, I want it to come out at 10%, 2050. In America, you could only make it come out at the end, which made it basically unroad trippable because at that point, you didn't have enough power coming out of the little engine <coughs> to actually go down the highway at highway speeds. Yeah, the whole point of that was essentially to get you to a gas station. So you could fill up some more and let the poor little thing try to generate as much power as possible. Or maybe, God forbid, actually go where it's intended, which is an electrical outlet where you can plug the thing in and go. Now, I believe, and I'd, I'm pretty sure that it wasn't able to do fast charging. It was just level two, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was, uh, it could do DC. So let's talk about that. Uh, so, so that's, can we go on that topic when we're done talking about the cars themselves and then we'll do a break and then get to the. No, because we need to define what that is. So uh, we, right. we did a podcast or video where I said there were three levels. And this, this is just simplifying. There were three levels of charging. So let's talk about the three. So there is level one, which is a real thing. So that's like a plug here that the lights are plugged into, right? Mm -hmm. Usually uh, on the Hummer 120, EV, 110, we yeah. have, if you have a huge battery, that's going to be a week or two or four. Yeah. Right? Then there is home charging that's level two. It's like basically 240 volt. It's what you would plug your dryer into or your washer into. Uh, and that tends to be up to 30 amps. And remember, the higher the number, the faster things charge, right? That's correct. Uh, uh, so th those are both AC, right? That's mm -hmm. the difference. Now, level three, which does not exist, which people pointed out, but we say it because it makes it simpler, is fast charging at the public station, and that's DC fast charging. So now you're going from AC to direct current. Right. Uh, and then you're pumping huge amounts of power, uh, a relative, I mean, it's not huge for a power plant, but for a car or a toaster or an oven into the car. And so level three is basically DC fast charging. Um, and the I3 would charge at a maximum of 50 amps. So if you're plugged into, let's say, a home charger, which can go up to 40 amps, mm -hmm. right? Uh, an I3's, and I forget the battery size, but let's say it was 30 kilowatt hours. It was uh, give no, or take smaller than that. 25-ish, uh, it, it changed, right? Yeah, so okay. Let's say, let's just say 30 kilowatt hours. It would basically charge at home at 30 amps overnight. Hmm, okay. Or, or quicker. Tommy has basically the, we bought it, the Mini SE, which has the same platform as the i3. So they shared, they shared a platform, but they made the Mini front wheel drive, but they basically had the same architecture. Uh, and that one, if it's empty, and that's, I think, a 30, it's close to a 30 kilowatt, the Mini SE, that'll take all night at home to charge on our, on our we have a, um, a, a 40 amp, uh, and I think a 40 amp is as, as high as you can go without actually, no, you can go higher, but then you have to hardwire it, you can't just plug it into the, to the outlet. Right. Uh, and the problem, of course, with that is you go to a DC fast charger, and the i3 is capable of DC fast charging. It. Okay. it depends which one you get. So the one we had wasn't capable, but the later ones were capable. Okay. But that still only gets you up to 50 amps. Even though you're so DC, it's fat. not going to be that much faster. Exactly. Going to it. Okay. Exactly. So, and that's a problem actually that exists. And Tommy did a great video where he talks about that, where uh, there's a certain uh, etiquette 
when you go to uh, chargers, and some people plug in a fast charger into their vehicle that can go at 150, whereas it really doesn't need more yeah, than the, the 50. Yeah, the best example of that is, and this is, this is the Achilles heel of the Chevy. Uh, now we're talking about the Bolt with a B, not the Volt. Yes. That's a pure electric vehicle, and that one only fast charges like the Mini at 50 uh, uh, Amp, no, 50 kilowatts, so sorry, 50 mm -hmm. kilowatts, which means that you think that you're pulling up to 150 kilowatt uh, charger at the Electrify America, or God help you, at 350, that it's going to be faster, but the car can only accept 50. So no matter what, it's going to be the same speed. And, it's, then, it's, and then Nathan shows up in the Ionic yeah. 5, where he can accept 250 kilowatts DC fast charging, and you're sitting there plugged in with, with the with the It happened. Bolt. More often than I wish to account. And it wasn't just that. It was also uh, the ID4. A lot of ID4 people didn't understand. And to be fair, you know, they're not told by the dealers that they buy these vehicles from. The dealers don't know any of they this. They don't know any of this. Right, exactly. Know. That's another problem. Yeah. The dealers have no clue about how to sell so electric So just cars. think of it this way, and it's a really easy way to look at it. Look at a hose, a regular garden hose. Now, on one side and the other side, if they're both the same thickness, the water's going to flow through at X amount. But on one side, if it's tapered off then the water isn't going to flow the same way as it is from the other direction. So in other words, if your car has a pinched off hose that can only accept X amount, you're not going to go any faster no matter how much pressure you put through there unless you open it up. And when you open it up, well, that's when you have the ability to accept you more know, voltage. That, that's a really good analogy, Nathan. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it really is. And you know what? I'll, 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 can I kind of, kind of add to that analogy? Sure. So like... Uh, the Hummer EV can charge up to 350 kilowatts. Which is, I think, the best in the industry right now. Right. So, uh, a, 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 which is hilarious because it's made by GM. A <laughs> Bolt can only do 50. So, how many times faster is that? Six times, seven times faster, right? Mm, five, right. Ten, so, ten. so, when you plug into that 350 kilowatt Electrify America charger with your Bolt, you know, it's like taking a fire truck to use your analogy, that has a little uh, uh, eyedropper at the end. <laughs> and then I show up, and I've got this vehicle, or Nathan has this vehicle, because yeah. they could accept that. And we're like, guys, come on. Yeah, it's <laughs> Go it, to the other one. Go to the slow one. Yeah, you, you really should know the, the capability of your vehicle in order, not just in terms of how big the battery it is, but how much power it can actually accept. But, but I understand it, because no gas station actually changes the size of the nozzle, no. right? So people who are used, this is this is one of the things. It's not better, it's not worse, it's different. At a gas station, they're all the same, so they all take about the same, give or take. Some gas stations are slower, sure. I And later on, I do want to talk about the differences between charging stations and gas stations because there's some real big differences. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Uh, plus and minuses on, well, really just a lot of minuses on the charging side. But, yeah, so there, there's there's something to be said about that in terms of, the different types of charges that are out there and the appropriate one for your vehicle. And I know a lot of you guys are like, I don't want to know math. And I agree with you. I'm terrible at it myself. Bottom line, very simple. Most vehicles will have listed somewhere on the car itself what it can actually accept, what it's capable of doing. And it doesn't take much to really learn that. And then from there, you can easily find those places, or you will be able to in the future, hopefully, easily be able to find those places to charge Look, your car quickly. Almost every EV can fast charge at home, right, which is level two. Mm -hmm. It's when you get into DC fast yeah. charging, public stations are changing. All right, let's keep going. So we talked about... Uh, what hybrids are? We no, we haven't. We haven't finished yet. No, no, no. I was going to say we talked about what traditional hybrids are, but let's talk about PHEVs, yes. plug-in hybrids. So you want to define a plug-in yeah. hybrid. So a PHEV, it's a plug-in hybrid of electric vehicle. Now, we already mentioned a couple of them, that being something like the i3 and the Chevy Bolt. 
uh, or sorry, Voltka. But uh, there are a lot of other ones out there. Now, personally speaking, this is one of my favorites. It used to be my least favorite. But over time, PHEVs have proven that you get great performance, and they seem to be pretty solid right now. And here's an example. Right off the bat, a PHEV that we've driven and had a lot of experience with, the Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Yeah, that Jeep is. has done a whole series. Now they've got another the Grand Cherokee. Cherokee 4xe. And yeah. other ones are coming very soon. And the 4xe system is essentially the same as all the other electric systems out there that work with a gas engine and a plug. So you plug it in, power up your battery, which I think in the Jeep's case is a 17.3 kilowatt yeah, hour battery, yeah, yeah, 17. Um, which is about half the size of a battery that's in my daughter's car, which is a Nissan Leaf, which is an all-electric car. Okay. Now that battery, it... It's heavy, <laughs> keep that in mind. But it is sealed and it's watertight and everything else, so the car's not gonna explode on you when you spit on it like certain other electric vehicles. And actually, I took it on the, on the drive for it, I took it through water. A water, I took it through like a little creek. Yeah, now. Up to about the bumper, and it was fine. The cool thing about having a plug in hybrid system in a vehicle like this is well, there's twofold. One, you get more horsepower, more torque. Uh, 470 foot pounds of torque, I think, which is a lot. And Inside, under the hood, you have a two-liter, four-cylinder, turbocharged engine, right? So it just kind of does its thing, and it works like a regular Jeep. So there's a transmission there, and there's a four-wheel drive system, all of that the same as a regular Jeep. But sandwiched between the transmission and the engine is an electric motor, and that electric motor does a lot of things, including helping to power the vehicle, which is why you have high horsepower and high torque. And you can use the battery to drive the vehicle in all electric mode. Now, in the Wrangler's case, I believe it's around 20 miles, and then the Grand Cherokee, four by, this is about 25, yeah. right. And we've actually done videos, I've done these videos, where we've done just regular drives with it in all electric mode, and it, with the Wrangler, at least for me. And I gotta tell you, it worked. And I know 20 miles is like, what, what are you gonna do with 20 miles? I'll tell you what you can do. I decided to do an experiment, Roman. What'd you do? I took one home, and I plugged it in and just used my daughter's plug for her leaf. Boy, was she mad. And I powered up the Jeep overnight. Next day, full battery. And I took my kid to school. I did some shopping. I went to another place that I work at from time to time, and I came home. That round trip was about 15 miles. Plugged it in, and by the end of the day, when I had to go back and do it all again, I was able to do it again. And I used zero gasoline. I'm not saying that that's the way everybody wants to do it, but that's one of the benefits of having a plug-in hybrid. And here's the other part. If you balance it out and use the electricity and the gas engine in something as unaerodynamic and heavy as a Jeep Wrangler, you can get 30, 40, 50 mile per gallon E, that's the electric equivalent of that gas, so that's the amount that you're burning, right? Think about it this way. You do it right, you essentially can fill that thing up once a month, uh, if that, for regular commuters who occasionally go off-road. And if you run out of electricity in that type of setup, if you've used up all your battery, it doesn't matter. It won't really affect the performance of the vehicle because it always keeps a little bit of juice in there in order to help power the vehicle. So you're not going to notice any major difference in performance. You'll notice a minor difference in performance if you're off-roading. That's a totally different thing. And we'll go over that because I think you went through that as well. But... The bottom line is, is that the 4xe system, you can plug it in, you can drive around like an electric car, you can drive around like a gas car, you can get better mileage. Really, the only two issues is that it's heavier, a lot heavier, and it's more expensive. Yeah, and those are becoming kind of 
the uh, the way that you, you can ease into electrification, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't ever have to actually, uh, if you don't want to, and, and this is actually happening in Europe a lot, uh, plug it in. I mean, you could just keep filling it up with gas. Sure. You're going you're gonna to lose all the advantages of having a plug-in hybrid if you don't ever plug it in, and you're going to get all the disadvantages because you're going to be stuck with a lot more weight, right? Then the fuel economy drops. But mm. but if you really don't want to have to fuss with actually plugging something in, but you want an electric vehicle, uh, that's certainly a way to go. Or and it's still going to be more efficient than the gas equivalent. Depends. In, in, in the European depends. ones especially, yeah. De depends on how on your use case scenario. Uh, like I say, if you plug it in, like Nathan just described, you, you might never actually have to turn on the gas. I think the, actually the gas engine turns It'll on. It'll cycle itself from time to time. Because eventually gas goes bad, right? Yeah, and exactly. So, so but, but realistically, you could go for months and months without actually having to do so a fill-up. So you could go both ways. You could. Also, there's the, the, the cycle that the vehicle goes through if you have it in an eco mode, per se. Even if you don't have the battery charged, it'll still be able to add a little bit of charge, and it's doing regenerative braking. Remember that. That, that power is coming back to the car. And as you drive, you actually are able to build up some of that power and the battery that would normally be wasted, and that will help your efficiency as well. And there are these cool little buttons on the on the on the dashboard which say, "Hey, I want to go only in electricity." Right. So you could, if you want to, sneak up on your neighbor, <laughs> be very quiet. Right. Or you could save the electricity for like if you're going off roading. So mm -hmm. you can tell the vehicle, "I want to drive on gasoline, but when I get to the off road trail, I want to go electric." Or like you said, you could have it in this other mode where it actually charges up the battery. Now I tried that on the launch, you know, where you're trying to charge up the battery and drive the car. It's not an efficient way. It doesn't. No. It, it's not very good at driving a car and charging the battery. So pick one or the other. Yeah, I I, I agree that that can be. But I think that if you're just cruising, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It, it'll it'll just handle it and charge. But if you're trying to do performance driving, either off road or you're being serious in this on the streets. It's not the best system, but this is just for 4xe, mind you. Other systems work differently, and a really good example of that is what Tommy recently drove, and hopefully we're going to get our hands on one soon, and that's the Mitsubishi Overland or um, oh, Outlander. Outlander, yeah. Yeah, that PHEV, that's a very different system, and it's sounding pretty cool, and I'm very happy for Mitsubishi because they finally built something that's kind of worth looking forward to. Uh, so um, the cool thing about the Mitsubishi is it's one of the only plug-in hybrids that actually has, I'm going to go with DC fast charging, right? Mm -hmm. And the way you can tell whether a vehicle has DC fast charging is uh, using CCS, which is a standard that we're using. Europe is on CCS too, right. which is different than Tesla standard, but that's which is different than Chatamo. So yeah. that's a whole different, that, that also is the downside. But the Mitsubishi uses Chatamo. Uh, yeah, so the Mitsubishi uses Chatamo, which is DC fast charging. But the way you can usually tell is, you know, the DC has these two, like, big round plugs, plus mm -hmm. the little, like, looks like a, I don't know, it looks like a brake, brake controller, right? The round part on top. So okay. if you've got the round part on top and the two plugs at the bottom, you've got DC fast charging. And the, uh, and the Mitsubishi is one of the few that uses, and it has, as a PHEV, uh, DC fast charging. Unfortunately, it's Chatamo, which is a Japanese standard that in America is going away. Electrify America now is replacing all their Chatamos with CCS, so uh, it's a problem. Right. But it has it. It has it. And one of the reasons why that Mitsubishi product has it is because Mitsubishi and Nissan are essentially under the same roof. Exactly, right. And so they share components. Uh, my, my kid's Nissan Leaf has uh, Chatamo, which I've used over the past two and a half years, I don't know, four times, if that. But it works. It works really well. And you can get a full charge from zero in half an hour or less, uh, which for a small battery that doesn't really 
have a very fast charging system is pretty good. So I would say if you're looking, and there, you know, BMW builds plug-in hybrids, and most of the manufacturers build them. Right? Almost everybody has some form of plug-in right. hybrid. And, and the battery size varies on these things. And some are very small, like the Mitsubishi is very, that's a very small battery. Mm -hmm. Some are bigger, like the Jeep. I would say if you're going to look go a plug-in hybrid, Go for something that has at least 20 miles of range because that's really how much you're going to need. Like ideally, you would like uh, drive it from home to work, plug it in at home, and then drive it back home. And then the question might be, why do you want to do that? And the reason you want to do that is because it's cheap. That's one of the biggest benefits of super cheap to charge at home. A small battery like that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I can do the math for you because you're curious. So in my house, you know, uh, at night, and this is also a very different thing about electricity. Uh, so we said we were going to talk about kind of what the differences are, right? Not better, not worse, different. Electricity, the rate changes based on what time you charge it, where you charge it, mm -hmm. how much you charge it. And how you charge it. And how you charge it. But at home, we were paying 17 cents a kilowatt hour mm -hmm. at night, overnight, which is, you know, great time to charge a car because that's when the grid's not being used for the most part, right? Right. Most people aren't at work, so you're not running computers, lights, at, at offices, and, you know, most factories aren't working at night. So charge at home. Uh, it's a much cheaper rate. So let's let's just talk about this. Let's say you have a 20-kilowatt-hour battery, which which that Jeep has, right? Mm -hmm. At 17 cents a kilowatt hour, what's 20 times 17? Oh. Uh, you're basically at about three and a half bucks. Yeah, so three and a half bucks to drive it for 20 miles. Yeah. And if, if you extrapolate that and you had to drive it for three and a half miles on a gallon of gas, it would, is that right? I I see where your logic is going. Hold on, hold on. I think we got that wrong because it should be significantly. 17 cents? Yeah, 17 cents per hour. hour. Yeah, that's how yeah, much I paid. I, I added a zero to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. Hold on. I think you got the number there. Let me get, let me go to my calculator. Well, while he's doing that, um, I, I can go one step better because I have solar. Yeah. And solar means that now I don't have a, a power wall yet. I want to get one. But that, during the day, the solar power that goes into my house, if I plug in a car, once again, that needs to no, leave. You're right. It's $3.40. Okay. Um, when I power up my kid's car, and I think during the day, I've spent on average about a dollar, maybe a dollar and a half to fully charge up a 30 kilowatt hour battery because a majority of the electricity is coming from the sunlight. Now, granted, yes, at night, if I plug it in, it's coming from my house, still going to be relatively cheap. But if you look at the long run, not the short run, but the long run of what you're able to do with that type of power over, you know, work and everything else that you're doing, that is a huge benefit because it can be very cheap. Now, right now, gas is super cheap compared to where it was. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? It's dropped a lot. However, that's not going to stay that way. You know it's going to bounce back up. Electricity is becoming easier to farm progressively. And as it is for people who refuel at home and use their home as a fuel station, I'm only paying a couple bucks a month in order to make sure that that car is fully charged all the time. One final thing about that, electric vehicles, and we're going to go into this in, in just a moment, have another huge advantage over gas-powered vehicles. And I really have experienced that, Roman. Do you know what it is? Huge advantage. What is that? Maintenance costs. Oh, that's a good point. You know yeah. how much I paid to maintain that car in two and a half years? Uh, cons uh, counting the damage your daughter has done to it? She's really just hit every curve. Let's, in the, let's, yeah. let's not count that. Yeah, let's not count that. Let's just routine maintenance. How much? I bought a couple gallons of the windshield wiper fluid. So, so that's usually like a couple of bucks a gallon. A couple of bucks. Yeah. That's all you did. Yeah. Oh, I replaced the tires. But to be fair, you have to do it on any yeah. vehicle. Um, but that's it. 
that I haven't done anything with that thing. It's yes, there are lubes and all that. You have to keep an eye on stuff like that, but they're super, super, super cheap to maintain, and that is huge because at the same time, a vehicle like my wife's Mini Cooper, that's eh, a lot more expensive to maintain over a course of a year. So a lot more expensive. So keep that in mind. Uh, but well, I think, well, are, are we done with PHEVs? Yeah, the, the, the downside of PHEVs is that they're heavy because you're carrying around two powertrains, so you still have all of the maintenance that you would have in yes, a regular gasoline. Yes, yes, and the complexity of having two and the, different... And, yeah. and they're heavier, which is always bad for fuel economy. Uh, and then, of course, you know, batteries eventually will die, uh, so that's another problem. Yep. But so will, you know, engines, they also go. Right, and <laughs> every, the good news is there's been a lot of um, forward progress made with battery tech, and the new batch of batteries that are coming out in the next few years will be much longer lived and much more environmentally friendly and blah, 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 all that stuff. So they are working really hard to make these things better. So, the, so, so let me talk to the point you said, right? Mm. Like 10 years ago, I went, um, this is kind of interesting. So I went to a uh, open house at the Boulder Tesla dealership. Yes, I know. You and I used to hang out there. Oh, you lost it. We lost it back. Oh, did not, okay. it did not like that. Yeah, sorry about that. I got it. That's okay. We lost. There we go. It's back. Okay. Um, I went uh, to this open house. Uh, uh, Boulder had decided, Colorado, that they wanted a Tesla dealership. And mm -hmm. so they gave, get this, uh, this opened like in October. And to the end of the year, if you bought the Roadster, which is the only car they had at that time, you'd get a 40, was it, no, it was a 45 or $50,000 tax credit. The state of Colorado gave Tesla a fifty thousand dollars to get them to open up the dealership, mm -hmm. plus the seven and a half that you got. Actually, at that time, I think it was like, wasn't it like ten or twelve? It was a little higher, I think, but yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what it was. Anyway, so I go there and I, I'm interviewing Mr. Moskright, and and he made the point after he's. I, I always ask people like, hey, um, you know, what's your name and title for the record when I'm interviewing him on camera? And I say that not because I don't know who I'm talking to, but because if somebody else is editing it. You, you don't want him to, like, font the name wrong. Right, exactly. So he goes, he, he, what had happened was actually, since I was just a little guy, uh, I wanted to interview him, and uh, his handler said, you got to wait till after the news gets to him. And mm -hmm. the news didn't get to him until 10 o'clock. And so I didn't get to him till like, 11 or 11.30. And he had been drinking a little bit. And <laughs> so he goes, I am king of the world. And then he kind of went into his spiel. And at that time, what he told me was, the reason he believes that electric cars are the future is because if, like you said, you actually have solar power on your house, mm -hmm. then you can conceivably not use a drop of gasoline ever because you would have a storage battery at your home, which could either be the car or a separate storage battery. The sun would charge up that storage battery. You would drive the car. You'd come back at home at night, plug it in again over the day. It would get charged up again. So you would be creating minimal environmental impact if you have solar panels on your house with enough power output to actually charge your car, which is a, which is a big amount of solar panels, by the yes, way. Yes, yes, it is. Um, now, keep in mind, something very important to remember is that over time, even storage batteries that are sitting inside of a house do eventually lose the ability to hold a charge. Not quite as quickly as the ones that go into cars, and the reason why is because the draw from an electric vehicle, I mean, it's severe. So batteries that are being used, lithium-ion usually, that are being used in houses, usually have a much, much longer shelf life. Keep that in mind. And here's, here's another misconception that we can tackle right away. Sure. So I want to talk about some misconceptions, right? So one of the things that people say when they talk about electric cars is, you know, they won't last. The longevity of them is not there because the batteries don't maintain. Because, look, if you have, I'm holding up my iPhone, right? If you have mm -hmm. this iPhone, I think that, or any 
you know, other yeah, phone, uh, yeah, Android competitor to it, right? Uh, eventually, and, I, and when I say eventually, I mean like within a year or two, you're going to be having to charge it every three hours, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that is on purpose so that you're forced to go and buy the iPhone 82, you know, or whatever one. Yeah, keep on going to the higher right. level. Yeah. But but electric cars aren't like that. Uh, you know, we've had them since now, when did the Tesla come out? 2009, like when we started, right? Mm-hmm. So early on, and, and usually the number for Teslas at least is, and this has been studied, you lose about 1% of battery efficiency per year. So a 10-year-old Tesla will be down like 10% on the battery. Mm-hmm. Which depending, depending on how it was handled. Which isn't horrible. Yeah, right? it's not bad. And then people who, who you know, are into internal combustion engines will say, well, gas engines don't do that. And I would say, no, 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 you are wrong because we have a stable full of old cars. And those horses also leave the engine. Yes. They do. Yeah, yeah. you lose power over time. <laughs> you do, you um, do. You know, unless you do a full rebuild and everything else. So, so there is pros and cons. But let's, let, let's, let's put a pin in the whole thing on, on electric vehicles and move on to the benefits of gas ones because we said we were going to talk about both. Yeah, so I think the benefits of gas ones are obvious, right? Easy to fill up. Yep. Um, now, here's one that, that's kind of funky. People always say, well, you know, you can go to any gas station but, and you can't fill up electric cars, but there's probably more electricity um, you know, running through the neighborhoods of the world, and there is gasoline. And then the first thing, the first comment we always get, uh, like when we do like a video we're trying to do today, where it's really cold and maybe power goes out. Well, how are you going to power your electric car? And I, you know, the the misconception there is that somehow gasoline stations don't run on electricity, right? So <laughs> you can get a hand pump and go into the thing and shove it in there and crank it and maybe right. get a gallon in an hour. But no, realistically, we get that. But if electricity the, goes out at your at your neighborhood, you're not going to be able to use a gas station either. Yeah, but the good news is, um, you know. I, and I'm not trying to be a proponent for solar because I, I honestly hate our solar company. They suck. But the reality is... Your power company, XL. You don't like XL. No, actually the company that oh, put they in did the, the solar. Yeah, because oh, there's communication issues. It's actually oh. a Tesla component that's gone... Uh, long story. Okay. Anyway, the point is, is that... Um, but it does work. And there's a lot of com- uh, countries out there that actually are finding the benefits of solar. The good thing is... You have a storage capacity at your house, and you have a solar panel. You are your own production, and you don't have to worry about anything other than the fact that it does get dark and snow comes. So let's talk about, like you said, the advantages of gasoline power. Yes, let's go to gasoline because there's a huge one I want to get to. I want to divide it into two parts, okay? Okay. And you you tell me which which side of your – there's like the emotional, and then there's the analytical. So which ones do you want to – like numbers versus like heart, head versus heart. Which one do you want to talk about Uh, I'll talk about the analytical because I actually have proof that uh, gas – for now at least, gas-powered vehicles are far superior and has nothing to do with the car. Okay, so obviously much easier to fill up. Yep. All right. That's part of it. Uh, in general, unless you're a Lucid fan, which, you know, you have 160 miles, I mean, $160,000 car that can go 500 miles on a charge, which most can't, mm-hmm. much longer range, yeah. especially when you're talking about diesel trucks. And you, oh, yeah, yeah, and diesel cars. Right, or like the size of, you know, the size of your tank also can... Um, make that much, much greater. Sure. Um, certainly ease of use right now because there's no new vocabulary you have to learn. It's just show up to the gas station fill it up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, other, what are the other benefits of gas-powered yeah. cars yeah. Internal, uh, from the analytical side? Internal combustion engine vehicles are currently the most robust they have ever been in terms True that, of yeah. reliability and capability. Um, the, the past 30 years has ushered in cars that can easily surpass 100,000 miles, and then some, and most people wouldn't even blink. Whereas, and if you go back to the 70s and the 80s, making it past 100,000 miles was a major milestone for most vehicles. 
that didn't completely corrode and fall apart. So in terms of overall capability, accessibility, usability, gas-powered vehicles have never been as good as they are now. Yeah, because, you know, 100-plus years of development have really pushed them to the apex of both uh, fuel economy and power. Yeah, well, I, and I credit a lot of that to uh, computer-aided design, computer, and, you know, it, it's true. Um, yeah, hand-built cars are great, but not everybody can afford a $300,000 Ferrari. And, and I think the other thing that people, you know, my friend Chris has is saying, he says, old shoes are comfortable, but they stink. And let's face it, I'm not saying gas-powered car. well, actually, gas-powered cars do stink, but, yeah. but, but they are comfortable. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's a lot to be said for that. Sure. You, you, you know, you could talk about the numbers, you, you know what you're getting. It, it, all, it all kind of fits into, like, the way that we've been driving for the last hundred years. Yeah, or more. And the simplicity of, an, of a gas-powered vehicle nowadays, for the most part, they're a lot easier to maintain, especially because a lot of people are smart enough to just like, okay, I know that this thing in 30,000 miles is going to need new spark plugs. I'm going to, you know, online, use my phone and make an appointment, go in, have it done, spend $600, and then the car will be fine for another 30,000 miles, whatever. And there's a whole infrastructure also that's... Exactly. And that makes it a lot easier to care for those vehicles instead of, I mean, I actually have purchased vehicles where I open up and there's a logbook that is detailed to every mile that the poor car had to go through. And the person who was maintaining that vehicle did everything they could to make sure it was properly maintained so it would actually make it past, oh, God forbid, 150,000 miles. And nowadays, granted, it's still a good idea, but you can now do a lot of that online and make it so much easier to maintain your vehicle by using a lot of those tools that are available. All right, so for me, the more compelling arguments are, uh, I think, logically, electric vehicles in, in, in the long run have an advantage. But emotionally, I think gasoline vehicles have a huge advantage. Well, there's another technical component that I have, just to wrap this up. Oh, go for it. Very simple. You want to get from, oh, I don't know, Orange County... California to Orange County, Florida, which Nathan and I did our cannonball. By the way, I think Nicole, our friend, is going. She said next month she's going to try to beat our record of forty-six hours and forty-six minutes. I want to throw it out there to you guys. If you really want to beat our electric car cannonball record, please go ahead and try it. It's from basically Orange to Orange yep. County in uh, Orlando. Actually, we went the other way, so we went. You know, Orange County, California, old Orange, Orange County, County, where there's a fountain, to uh, Orange County, Florida, where there's, where there's an old fountain. Yep. Watch the video, and then you'll actually see where those locations touch, are. Touch the fountain in one you got to touch one, and you got to touch the other. And then go for it and see if you can be 46 hours and 46 In an electric minutes. vehicle. Now, but my point is, is that in a gas vehicle, we know for a fact that it's very easy to get a gas car that'll do 400 miles without blinking. And when you get to a gas station, it'll take five, at the most, 10 minutes to fill that thing up and get out of there and go, keep on going. Right. That record would have been easy to smash because you could just drive. You could knock off nine hours we, or eight hours from that yeah, easily. Because we spent nine hours charging. Yes. And also going shorter ranges. And we also had to slow up a bit to make sure that our range was maintained. So for a long-distance vehicle... The statistics are simple. Gas-powered vehicles, especially diesel, but gas-powered vehicles are the way to go. And, of course, we're not doing the truck stuff, but if this were the truck podcast, then, of course, towing and hauling uh, are also a huge part of it. Cause, huge. Because gasoline uh, is much more, it has a lot more caloric value, right? So you got a lot more power when you put 20 gallons of gas versus 20 kilowatt hours of battery or even 100 kilowatts hour, kilowatt hours of battery into a car or a truck. Anyway, but we won't go there. For me, the one that really like sells gasoline cars isn't, because I like new things. I'm an early adopter. I, mm. I don't mind, you know, uh, 
braving the brave, braving the new world of electricity. What I miss is the stuff that like connects with my heart. To me, and this is the heart of it, literally, uh, a gasoline-powered vehicle is alive. Yep. It's like a person, right? You start it up and there's a heartbeat. I mean, Harley does it the best, right? With like their, their doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, right? That, that engine note. Ferrari does it the best. I think Harley does 12 it better. 12 cylinders. But anyway, it's, it's, like, it's like a person, right? It, and it like eats and, and shits. Yeah. <laughs> or poos, sorry. Roman. I know, but you know anywhere. what I mean? I mean, it eats gas oh, and then a stuff Believe me, growing up in a, I grew up in a wrecking yard. I absolutely like me, right? love. It, it does what I do. It, 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 they do. They, they have a pulse. The blood courses through the body. They eat. They throw out excrement in their own way. <laughs> they produce a personality. And sometimes you can tell when they're not feeling good and other times when they're feeling really good. Yes, you gas can, You can fall engines, in love with those cars. Especially performance ones. Uh, yeah. Or even trucks, uh, you know, what, whatever your, your thing is, because uh, I've fallen in love with plenty of trucks, but they feel like they're more human, they're more emotional, uh, and uh, there's just this whole wonderful world of classic cars that, that, you know, that you have to bring back to life, right? And even if we're talking about new cars, you have to like lovingly maintain them. You have to, you have to do all this stuff. And a lot of that goes away with electric cars. And, and here's the dirty secret, Nathan, of electric cars. Mm. The thing I don't like, they all drive the same, right? So an internal combustion car, it could be naturally aspirated. It could be supercharged. It could be turbocharged. It could be super turbocharged, right? Right, right. And, and the power curve is always different, right? So mm -hmm. some places you get all the torque up front. and some places it comes up and screams at like 9,000. And that's right. wonderful, right? Variety is wonderful. For the most part, electric cars, instant torque right away. Yep. Uh, and regenerative braking right away, yep. right, if you drive in that method. And they all, to me, feel alike. I, I just feel like when I get in an electric car, it's all the same thing. It's like a computer, right? You take it to the drag strip, and I just took the GT EV6, and there were, I don't know, 30 journalists running them up. Every single one of them got basically the same time. Yeah, it, it, they work as an appliance, Roman. Right, they all right. They're they're like it's a switch. You turn it on and turn it off. Right, I was heavier than some of the other people, so they went a little bit faster. Some people were a little bit lighter. They wanted a little bit, you know, quicker. I'm heavier. I went slower, but for the most part, it's just the same, same, same. There's no skill needed. You're not shifting at certain points in the RPM. You're not having to worry about other than adhesion. Really, there's nothing else you really need to worry about. And I get that. The EV6 uh, GT is. Um, Stupid fast. It's a it's all-wheel drive, so even adhesion's not a question. Yeah, well, if it's a cold course versus a hot course, it actually makes a difference still. I, I still maintain that. But here's, I, and I get your point, bottom line is that right now for the type of public that's out there, look, there aren't a lot of people there care about internal combustion like there used to be. I mean, when you were growing up, I mean, granted, you know, the Model A was still in its infancy, but you were still able to enjoy the fact that you had a four-cylinder banging around making a lot of noise. By my time, you had turbocharged four-cylinders banging around making a lot of noise, and that was cool because you would hang out with your friends and work, usually V8s really, uh, and hang out and work on their engines and try to make them sound a little better or run a little better. And nowadays... You got a kid who's going to plug in his little laptop to the car and like, you know, hey, man, I cracked this. You now have another 30 horsepower. Woohoo! It's not the same type of thrill. However, I will say this. Now that we're past the certain point, I think that electric vehicles are becoming more entertaining and thus creating a little bit of a spirit on their own. Not like gas cars, granted, but I think that they're more interesting than they used to be, and I think that the future is still looking pretty bright for them. Fair enough? Well, I, I mean, 
just just agree with me for once. I mean, um, yes, Nathan, you're right. I, I, you know, um, I love choice, right? So I, I think people. I agree with you. I think people should have the choice mm. to go either electric or uh, to go uh, non-electric, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever suits your needs the most. The problem, and this is the crux of it. This is why we're doing the show is that it has become political, right? And as, as much as I don't want to wade into political waters, I think in this case we're going to have to because it has become political. And what really like gets me is, as a journalist, I'm all about getting to the truth of the matter, right? right. And when things become political, all of a sudden it doesn't become about the truth. It doesn't become about the most sensible solution. It becomes about the one that your tribe believes in. Yep. And And... One tribe, you know, spits out lies about the other tribe and vice versa. And then you get into this conversation that has no meaning in reality, but it has all to do with, you know, whether, you know, you're a Broncos fan or, in your case, a Steelers fan, right? I love the fact that you're trying to be altruistic right now with this whole thing. So the, <laughs> and actually, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a Bears fan, so. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> we, we see these things. We see other journalists. They call themselves journalists, and they're really throwing out propaganda on both sides, by the way, yeah, I should yeah, say. of course. It, and, and, and it's not fair to the automakers who have a – Frankly, they kind of have a gun to their head. They have a mandate that they have to get to. Now, we are hearing that there may be a few changes where they're loosening up some of these requirements. But nonetheless, regardless, it's coming. And whether or not you... So here's here's an example of a lie that got pushed out there, right? right? Uh, against electric cars, right? California, now this week, the news is Oregon adopted the same rule, said by 2035, here's a lie, all cars have to be electric. Now this, okay. And the lie there is... All cars have to be electrified, not electric. So if you want a plug-in hybrid, you could still, according to at least the law in California, now in Oregon, get a plug-in hybrid. If you want a hybrid, you can still get, which is mainly a, a gas-powered car with you know, some electrification. But the lie was that it, they all have to be electric. In other words, we all have to be driving that little tiny Toyota EV, mm -hmm. which is where it's going, but that's not what the news was. And that's what I mean by things get twisted. There's a big difference between electric and electrified, as I hope we've explained in this podcast slash video. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are like, dude, you guys just covered the basics. Well, we're doing this for another, a larger audience out there who may not want to really ask that question out loud of what are the differences between these vehicles? That's essentially what we're trying to get to here. One final note, political or non-political, uh, TFL, we do not host any political standpoint one way or the other. However, if you guys in comments or in emails that you make public, blah, 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 go into some sort of political tirade, we're going to get rid of it. Why? Because we're here for cars. Yeah, there's there's a there's a ton of places online where you can go go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Have that conversation. You know, if you want to talk about you know the pluses and minuses of the different, please let's have that conversation. You know, if you want to blame the current president or the last president on gas. In the price of gasoline? No, we don't really care. Because, first of all, I don't believe that the president has that much control, right? But it's, but it's not even that. Either, we're, either we're, side. We're talking about product. We're talking about the vehicles themselves, guys. Yes, we could talk about how we got to certain places and the fact that there are places right now that are forcing people to make certain choices. However, the bottom line is, is that we're not going to make a judgment on that. We're only talking about what's going to be coming out, what we're going to be driving, and what your guys going to be driving. So before we end this, let, let's, you know, we've talked about the benefits of uh, – of gasoline cars, and like I say, I have an emotional um, 
uh, bias toward gasoline vehicles because I love the sound. I love the, you know, the fact that this thing is alive. It's kind of a friend of mine. But, you know, I, I also have that kind of left side of my brain where I love new things. So the, the upside to electrification and electrified or all electric cars is, and basically an electric car just has a battery of different size that you charge up that then move the car forward. So the upside to electric cars is, uh, first and foremost, they are incredibly quick. Not, yeah. not as so. There's a difference between quick and fast. I think um, I think Clarkson made this comparison, right? Uh, quick is uh, how um, that's torque, basically, right? It's acceleration. It's how uh, how hard you go through the wall when you hit it, or as fast is how fast you hit the wall when you hit it, right? So one is pushing power and one is top speed. So acceleration is basically, and when we do our videos, because people don't get this, we usually talk about horsepower, but acceleration is usually always about torque. At least the first few feet of it. Right, so so electric cars have a, a boat ton more, both horsepower and torque. And it's instant, which is, right. if you're, you know, if you go to a drag strip, even though they're boring, they are freaking quick. Right, a uh, gas engine has to sit there and push little pistons around and get that thing spinning in order to create the power, in order to create the torque to get you going. Whereas electric motor, goes. It just goes the minute you squirt the electricity into it. It's so, just that simple. So if you're an enthusiast like me and Nathan are, and you like to go quickly, zero to 60, or fast top end, uh, electric cars obviously are just changing the rules. And what's a particularly terrifying, I think, for some people is that you can now go out and for, you know, what you used to have to spend like millions of dollars on, you can go buy a Tesla Model S Plaid, uh, and there's another other, a bunch of other cars coming where you can go from zero to 60 in like two seconds. Yeah. Which is crazy quick and also crazy dangerous on public roads. There is some good news though for gas-powered vehicles if we're going to go there real quickly. Gas-powered vehicles, performance cars on a track, not just a straightaway, but on an actual driving track, are far more likely to go the distance, not just one or two hot laps, but I'm talking dozens, if not hundreds of laps, and just do it and do it and do it. Whereas an electric vehicle cannot do that. It cannot maintain that pace. They're heavier. They will blow through tires faster. There's a lot of benefits to have an electric vehicle, but melt, not... Melt the wires or melt the motors. <laughs> right, exactly. Heat is an issue. And as such, to keep that heat down, they slow them down. So you're going to find that a lot of uh, one-trick ponies, electric cars, like going to Pikes Peak, that's one thing they can do. But if they're going to the Indy 500 or to Monaco or any of those other things, they will not be able to, at least in their current condition, keep up with a Formula One car or something like that. So currently, internal combustion wins that one. Uh, and for us, another advantage for electric cars, and I say for us because we're at a mile above sea level, is right. that they're not affected by altitude. We always have not this conversation, you know, car magazines used to publish zero to 60 times, and I've given up on this, Nathan, but zero to, there's no such thing as a zero to 60 time. It depends on where you are. It depends on who's driving. It depends how much gas is in the car, how much pressure is in the tire, what the temperature of the ambient air is. There's, oh, yeah. just, there's all these factors. And one of the factors, of course, is you know how much air density there is, and electric cars don't care, which is great for us. It is. One of these days I want to prove a point, too. I'm curious, but it'll take time. This is final, my final note before we sign off. Yeah. Um, I wonder if... Driving an electric car up here at a quarter mile versus driving an electric car, the same one down, let's say, in Southern California at, on a quarter mile strip. I wonder if it's actually faster up here because of the air density. A lot of people talk about baseball and how it, fl it well, flies through the I, air a little differently. I know that like a golf ball, you know, mm -hmm. I can hit a golf ball farther like if I'm playing up in the mountains than I can if I'm playing in Chicago where I grew up. Right. So... 
that's what you could do with a golf ball, but I want to actually do it with an electric car one day. I think it'd be kind of a fun little science experiment. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that has to do with, you can do that mathematically, right? The faster you go, the more important air density becomes. If you're putting wrong at five miles an hour, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Yeah, but I'm talking about actually, you know, flying down a quarter mile strip. I, 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 I mean, the science says that it should be slightly faster up here, but I guess we'll find out. But I don't, I don't want to sign off yet. Hold on. Okay. Five more minutes, and then we'll, we'll sign off. All righty. Uh, the other thing that you already mentioned is electric cars uh, are also uh, easier to maintain. Way easier. So there's no real maintenance. On well, the there's some. Yeah, but on the downside, because they're heavier, you will go through tires quicker. In theory, it depends on the car. Yeah, depends on the car. Yeah. Uh, and electric cars, uh, I think are also, and for me this is an important one, and this is once again more like right brain than left brain, are also kind of the new frontier. I kind of feel like everything's been done, uh, and I'll give you an example of this, okay? Uh, been done with the internal combustion engine. There, recently there's been this renaissance where we've gotten things like super turbos and electric turbocharging, right, or electric supercharging, and there's been this renaissance of like development that's happened because I think electrification has changed the game. But I think there's still a lot that hasn't been discovered with electric cars. There's still It's kind of fresh new fields. And, and for me, that's really exciting because it means that there is uh, new development and new clever engineering that can take place. And I'll, this is what I want to close with, okay? Because mm -hmm. I heard this, and this is really cool. So I guess this year, and I don't, know, I don't follow Formula E very much, right? You mentioned Formula One. Yep. Formula E is the electric version of they, – they've gone to only one battery. So when they first started out – uh, they had, I think, swap batteries, and then they went to, like, a, like they had to charge it. Now they've only gone to, like, one battery. And the reason they did that is because it's really clever. What they figured out was that the old Formula E cars had one drive unit or one motor, right, in the rear. Mm -hmm. So like a Formula One car. The new Formula E cars, and, and if, if I'm getting this wrong, I heard this from a friend of mine so who I trust and respect, so, you know, you can fact check me on this, but he said that the new Formula E, that this new coming season, they're going to have two electric motors and no brakes. So guess what they're doing? They're putting the electric motor on the front axle, which then serves as the brake. And because it works both ways, right, in this case it's only going to work as a generator, it will actually replenish enough power back to the battery that it increased the range by 40%. Which, which, which negated means one battery is all that's going to be exactly. I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying, and so to me, there's this like clever engineering that can still happen. There's still a lot that we can accomplish, and so like right now, you know, you know, I remember when I got a first Mac, it was 128k, and then it went to 512. Right today, my watch has you know more computing power than your first than like Mac. A, than like, yeah. No, than like a supercomputer from back in the day, yeah, right? Yes, and so I, I just feel like we're in the early days of electrification, and there's a lot more that is yet to be uh, discovered. And batteries will get better, and motors will get better, and, and that to me is exciting. I'm glad you were able to renaissance, you know, go back to the days of your Univac machine, and, and <laughs> when you were in high school. Uh, the good news, I agree, is that. You know, people are forced to create better. You know, was it something that's the invention of um, necessity is the mother of all invention? Or Very good, like yeah, that? that's right. Um, and I think that's absolutely true. And so that's that's kind of the good news for you guys. And the more the tech comes, the the more they need it, the prices will drop. And that, for me, is the best part. Yeah, no doubt, because right now <coughs> electric cars are definitely crazy expensive. Uh, Tesla just announced getting back to some breaking news, that if you buy a car before the end of the year uh, from inventory, they're giving you $7,500 off. It's still too expensive after that. It is. I, I priced out the cheapest one because mm -hmm. I was curious. So um, cheapest one is a, is a Model 3 rear-wheel drive. How much do you think that costs after the 7500 And that has to do with what's happening with legislation. $65,000. 
No, you were way off. Keep going down. Fifty-five. Less. Forty-five. Less. Thirty-five thousand. Forty-one. Forty-one thousand. Forty-two. It's like forty-one nine fifty. Not too bad. Yeah. So you can get a Tesla Model Three rear-wheel drive standard range. I think it's two hundred fifty miles of range. Yeah, roughly. For forty-one thousand dollars with the, and you get uh, I think basically ten thousand kilowatt hours of charging. I think that's like two years of charging. Yeah. Um, super fast. Supercharging. Sorry. Some decent price. There are cheaper cars out there, but not not that many. But you know, Volkswagen, General Motors do build le- and Ford build less expensive ones that you can buy, and I do recommend looking at them as well. Um, but great, that was a great conversation. Yes. Like I said, not better, not worse, different. Electric cars are also making gas cars better, which is all, also good. Yeah, all the boats float better when the water is applied, right? Yeah. So, and by the way, I got to say, this is a cool looking EV. For those of you who you can't like that see, new, uh, Toyota? yeah, this is a Toyota little crossover SUV that Roman got to see at the LA Auto Show. No, that was actually right before the LA Auto Show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, Toyota's kind of uh, the one that's not leading the pack in electric. And I don't blame them actually. <laughs> so there's there's once again there's a lot of different points of view out there. We'll cover that in another show. But thank you guys. Have a wonderful New Year, and we will see you next week. Happy New Year. Ciao. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.